coming up next. Many people get into the digital space ignorantly. Um, and the way the world has presented it, the social media companies and other tech companies, the way they presented it, they presented it as a mechanism by which to connect people. But really, it is a mechanism to collect information. Hi there and welcome to this podcast. I am Andrew Locker. And I'm Diana Ayo. Thanks for tuning in. On the AfroTech Talk podcast, we speak to tech experts, individuals in the tech space, as well as young people about the latest trends and innovations in Africa to explore how tech is transforming their society. We filter our guests' profound insights into actionable guidance, empowering listeners to find inspiration and actively participate in the ongoing tech revolution. If you are new to the show or would want to recommend our podcast to your friends and family, our starter packs are a great place for you to get hooked. We understand that it can be a bit hard to get started. So for this, we have our episodes segmented into different topics that will have you started right away. Visit afrotechtalk.africa. In a three-part series on privacy, we speak to Geoffrey Okao, a key player in tech with several years of experience in the digital space. We'll be diving deep into the concept of privacy in today's digital world. Welcome, Jeffrey. Uh, welcome to the, to the podcast. So uh, could you just, you know, uh, let us have a brief introduction of uh, who you are and uh, maybe what you do, if that's okay. So, so first of all, thanks for having me. Um, <clears throat> I'm very passionate about digital in Africa. Um, I consider myself a serial technologist, started in computing in 1983 um, when I was 16, 17 years old um, on Wang miniframe computers. Wang is now a defunct company, but then they were, they were very serious. Um, and the first IBM XT PCs um, while I was in secondary school um, at Starehe in Nairobi. Um, I also did some work for the Bank of Uganda building their enterprise networks and the bank-wide network um, that connected the different currency centers uh, in Uganda. So that was in the mid-90s. Um, and then I joined the UN um, in Kampala uh, to begin build, building some deep field, high latency resistance comms um, for the Great Lakes region. That was um, Kenya, Tanzania, Burundi, Rwanda, DRC. Um, and that was in the mid to late 90s. Um, after which I then left the region um, and, and since then has been doing many other things for the UN. Right now, um, I'm managing global IT systems on the governance and the strategy side. Um, and uh, yeah, that's basically a summary of um, my journey. Okay, thank you so much. So because today we'll be handling our privacy, what do you think our privacy is and has this definition really changed uh, over time? So... Privacy is a, is a big thing. Um, and the definition of privacy is, I mean, it's out there, you know, it's a right to be left alone or freedom from interference or intrusion. You know, it's a fundamental right uh, to essential autonomy, you know, the protection of human dignity. Um, it's, it's, it's all those things, you know, um, but, but it is a human right to, to privacy um, because privacy uh, really is at the essence of, of our well-being, you know, um, and and the notion that that somebody who 
who is who is very keen to be private has something to hide. It's true. Um, but the thing that we have to hide does not necessarily have to be a bad thing. Uh, for example, we all wear clothes when we are leaving the house. It's not because, you know, you obviously have something to hide, which is why you wear clothes. Um, you also don't disclose um, your bank account details at random because, because those, things are not, those things are private. And, and there's nothing wrong with seeking to, to have privacy. Um, so... So, so that's that's the thing about privacy. In my view, um, it is essential, um, and uh, it has evolved over time in a sense because because it has become digitalized. And once private, once information is digital, then it gets complicated to protect. It becomes easy to disclose. It becomes easy to devolve, and then you know it becomes much more difficult to manage than, for example, you know something that you know that is in your head. Um, that you haven't disclosed to somebody, um, that you manage yourself and you manage who it is that you disclose it. But the same way that the moment you disclose it to somebody, you've lost control over it, um, is the same way that once you have digitized information, um, you've pretty much lost control of it. Well, thank you so much, Geoff, for that uh, detailed um, insight. Uh, I would also like to know, what is the traditional definition of privacy, you know, especially in the African context and how does it apply in today's interconnected world? I think the traditional definition doesn't change from what I have just given, which is the right to be left alone, you know, um, a fundamental right to autonomy, to, to basically just being able to do your own thing um, without intrusion. Um, so, so I think that that really hasn't changed. Um, however, in, in today's interconnected world, that, that changes because because many people get into the digital space ignorantly. Um, and the way the world has presented it, the social media companies and other tech companies, the way they've presented it, they presented it as a mechanism by which to connect people. But really, it is a mechanism to collect information, you know, as much as possible. And because people are not very aware of these things, they devolve a lot more information than than perhaps they should, you see. So um, privacy can a lot easier be compromised the moment the moment that information is devolved um, or divulged, um, and and then it becomes way more difficult to protect. So in today's interconnected world, it means that a privacy compromise can escalate very quickly out of control of the individual. Um, and even out of the control of the legal or sovereign jurisdiction where the person lives, because information can cross borders. Information doesn't care that you live in Uganda or you live in Mozambique. It doesn't care. It flows, you know, as, as, as it's been made to flow, and it could result in harm that is far greater than this person anticipated. So in today's world, the risk to the individual of loss of privacy is, is you know, existential i mean it's it's just it, it's difficult to describe the potential impact that it could have on the individual so uh, recently uh, throughout uh, actually every social media person can testify to this whereby there are links that are shared you know different uh, whatsapp groups and uh, telegram as well which is always asking them to join some kind of, uh, you know, maybe a job advert. And the way it's always, uh, you know, presented, it looks so legit. So they could maybe say uh, 
let's see, maybe uh, the, the government of uh, Kenya is maybe hiring, you know, people for this, or is there some money being given out? So I know at some point we're going to talk about how we can actually, you know, uh, you know, protect ourselves better. Should we be concerned about such uh, such links being shared? This this is the thing about about uh, privacy. It's it's down to the individual who who has that information to decide whether or not to de- to, to divulge it, and and there is almost no one right answer because then the level of risk or the appetite for risk is is based on the individual's assessment. But generally speaking, um, any information that that you you can't put out there that you don't want to announce in the market you shouldn't be putting it out in in spaces where <clears throat> where multiple people are involved because because it can be taken out of context it can be misunderstood i mean those of you who who have wives and and, and husbands it's just easier to have a conversation because sending even a text message or something like that can easily be misconstrued or misunderstood yet it has been re- so so that the, the 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 digital element around the transmission of information does not transmit does not transmit the spirit or the intent of the comms. It just transmits that text, and and that's why emojis have come up to, to kind of try and to to add color to the to the text so that it kind of gives somebody the 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 the, the semblance of intent. But but largely that doesn't go with the text. It just goes as text. And then now the person receiving it receives it and interprets it based on either historical information or or what they consider to be the tone of the conversation or the past relationships, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But all of those things are very very nuanced and, and, and difficult to lock down. So so it, it is not easy to kind of stipulate you know, whether or not somebody should do this. Um, people should just be made aware of what the risks are and then let them evaluate their their, their, their uh, appetite for risk um, and the potential impact um, and then decide on what they want to say or not say. Okay, and um, when we look at tech and uh, privacy, you know, how has tech transformed the way we perceive and experience privacy? Uh, now, this one is... So first of all, it's very geography and digital awareness dependent. Um, so, so the baby boomers in the U.S., for example, um, are now in their late 60s, 70s, and and they are prime target for online scammers because online scammers find them on Facebook. They're probably lonely. They've lost their their spouse, um, and 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 then you know start telling them how much they love them, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and they extract a lot of money out of them. So, so it's it's. It's digital awareness dependent. It is geography dependent. Um, this current generation, um, you know, uh, trust. You know, they, they, I mean, the, the baby boomers trust was the norm. So anybody who says that I am this on the internet, they just believe that they are that. But we know that 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 is no longer the case. I mean, I have a good friend of mine who who met his wife online, um, and this was in the early two thousands. I mean, and she was from the Philippines, and he's from somewhere else. And 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 they met, they 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 got married, and so on and so on. Those things used to happen even those days, but but the degree of trust then was way higher than it is today because the internet has now been used for a lot of other things. So the way we per, uh, perceive privacy and experience today is very dependent on where we are generationally. It's very dependent on where we are geographically, and more primarily, 
the, the extent to which we are aware of what technology can, can do to us from a, privacy, a loss of privacy perspective. Technology has made it easier to lose privacy. It has made it more difficult to manage privacy because the moment it gets out of your hands, that's it. It has made it much easier to disseminate information. It has also made it much more difficult to protect that information. So if somebody is given that awareness, then let them evaluate the extent to which they want to, you know, um, engage with tech with regard to, to private information. Um, and then that way you can hopefully get, you know, a lot more, um, a generation that is more uh, responsive, responsible um, towards the use, the, the handling of their private information. Uh, we've had a lot of misconceptions, you know, and um, so many people out there tend to input their information. You know, sometimes people say they have nothing to hide, so, you know, they can freely or easily share their information. You know, others uh, believe they've done nothing wrong, so they can put their information out there. You know, we freely put in our passwords, especially when it comes to, say, promotions and all those other things. You know, even when it comes to the bank, sometimes someone just someone believes because they don't have money on their bank accounts, they can freely or easily put put the bank details out there. So, what what are some of those uh, misconceptions you know about privacy? That's a very good question, Diana, because yeah. um, what you pointed out is 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 a problem that that is down to to ignorance. Um, because I remember the chairman of Google um, said, um, if you have nothing to hide, you know, um, you know, you shouldn't be worried about about your privacy. And then, then the next day they published his emails online. <laughs> he was, and he was livid, you know. So, so, so why was that? He was being a hypocrite. Because the truth of the matter is that whether you have something to hide or not, we have things which are private. They have nothing to do with the fact that you're doing something wrong. And and like I said at the beginning. We all get out of our houses with our clothes on because we have something to hide. And it's not, not because it is bad. It's because it's private, you see. And that's the distinction that we need to make. And because many people think, oh, if, like you said, if, if I have no money in the bank, so I really don't care. Wait a minute. What if somebody steals your personal information and goes and, and opens another bank account with that and then maybe gets a loan from a, a, a title deed that they had stolen in a certain way? Da -da -da -da, and then now suddenly they walk away with the money that you have to pay, you know. So suddenly, it becomes something that you need to be concerned about. Or, you know, somebody steals your SIM card, which has, you know, all your, your private details, and then uh, goes and, and gets a SIM card, you know, whichever way they do it. And, and now is able to make, you know, incriminating phone calls or send messages. And, and then who does the government come after you? They come after you. So, so it becomes a problem, you see. So, so in this digital age, it is important. That, um, that that these misconceptions are, are eradicated, and they're eradicated by education. So, for example, this podcast that you guys are making, this is one of the mechanisms by which you know um, people can be educated. But I think it should be probably more widespread. For example, on FM radio, on all of that. Okay. And then, so you you mentioned a very important point uh, earlier on, whereby you see, you said you know if there's some information that you wouldn't want to go, you wouldn't want it to go out there, then you probably shouldn't, yeah. So 
is there a way we could we could maybe guarantee in a way where we can say this aspect of our lives is uh, is maybe private is there any mechanism around how we can you know get to uh, segment which parts of our lives are private and which ones are not so first of all i'm assuming that you you're referring to to information that has been digitized because if it's been digitized then it's no longer in your control um but if if you have it in your head yes then you can keep it in your head you don't divulge it to anybody um and 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 it, it's yours um but the moment it has been digitized you know it, you've you've lost control of it and people will say oh well, you see i have it in you know um private usb stick okay true it's just a matter of time um because you might plug that private that usb stick in in some computer and something steals it or 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 yeah so so there's there's all kinds of things that, that can happen to it so the moment you have digitized um information um it becomes you you you've lost control of it um the only assertion that you can have that information that you have is private is that you know you have it within your control so let's say um uh you have a medical record from a diagnosis that 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 uh, came from the hospital and and it is written on paper you see so now you take that paper and you file it away in a file that is in your house um that information is largely private you see um the moment it is digitized then now it becomes complicated because now the 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 hospital has to find a way of protecting it in a certain way um and then it should maybe be accessed by certain doctors but maybe not different types of doctors or the nurse can only accept a certain part, access a certain part of the record maybe not another part. you see it just gets complicated to 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 do so 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 that's that's a tricky one um, and because the world is all going digital uh, privacy is becoming the single biggest thing um as information security because that's all around you know the privacy and the protection of information um that's becoming a big thing for governments it's becoming a big thing for because governments of course hold a lot of private information for their citizens for example um that's a big thing for them because even they have to protect that information not just from from the loss of it um or from from you know um inadvertent uh, disclosure they have to protect it from other government people who may not need access to it for all it, it it's it's complicated that's that's all i can say um but but yeah if 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 information has been digitized um, then it becomes difficult to 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 protect thank you jeffrey um i would also love to know what are some of the challenges you know that digital privacy faces especially in the modern day era so first of all you want to to know what information exists digitally and where it is which relates to you because then you can't protect what you don't know or where you, what you don't know where it exists you know so yeah. so, so that's that's the first thing and secondly um once once private records have been digitized they have to be stored they have to be you know protected from things like uh, inadvertent access or or unauthorized access unauthorized modifications and authorized transmission you remember when the id project first came many people got their ids with the wrong name with in some cases with the wrong picture how did that happen you know so 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 there is there is that it it may seem easy but it's actually not that easy 
Protecting information at a granular level requires systems that are built to do that. It requires governance practices and artifacts which are beyond technology to do that. Um, and and that those kind of systems tend to be expensive and complex um, and dependent on you know, expertise that, that, that may not exist or, or is difficult to find or is dependent on a few individuals. So then you find that the whole stack, the stack of challenges kind of just keeps building the moment you've digitized the information, you see, which, like I said, for the first uh, example that I gave concerning the, the, the diagnosis, you would not have that. You just have it in a file, in, in a drawer somewhere. Maybe you've locked it and it's only you and your wife that know about it. That's it. You know, um, but but the moment it's been digitized, then that whole stack of, you know, how does a change to it be managed? Uh, who has access to it? How is it being stored in case it gets lost? Can it be recovered? You know, um, and how else could this system that is built to do this, how else can it behave to, to perhaps disclose this information inadvertently? You know, um, so, so all those are challenges that begin to kind of pile up. And in this modern era, it's getting more and more difficult. All right. Um, as similarly, I have seen online, you know, especially when you go to fill certain forms or you're completing um, certain uh, documents online, there's usually a consent. You know, say that there's privacy consent to click on this and, you know, consent and things like that. So what role does uh, consent play in this context of uh, online privacy? And how do we navigate it effectively? Mm. That's also an excellent question. Um, so consent is fundamental on any in any private situation privacy situation not just online so for example um when a pickpocket steals your wallet they did not ask for consent okay but your wallet is gone now if if they came and asked hey can i have your wallet you have the option of saying yes you can or no you can't see so in in the context you just said where you know you go online and then they say oh you have to click this button to go forward you almost don't have a choice because if you want to consume that service, you have to consent to their privacy um, uh, policy. And they are, whether you agree with it or not, if you don't agree, then don't, you don't consume that service. That's really how it is. Even if it's something that perhaps you need to say, for example, you're going to apply for a visa um, and then they ask you know, all the questions that they ask and they say, okay, so you consent to how we're going to use this information. If, if you don't consent to it, then yeah. Forget it. They won't give you the visa. But now if you consent to it, now you've basically given up your rights um, to that information. And now they can do with it what it is that they have established in their privacy policy or their degree of morality. Because in some cases, the privacy policy says this, that's the policy. But at the back, they're doing something completely different because maybe there's nobody to check. You see, so consent is fundamental, but at the same time, that you have given consent does not guarantee you that privacy will be preserved because you are now dependent on the mechanisms that whoever you've given consent to is going to use to protect it and the degree of morality that they have towards that. So, uh, so just to follow up on, on that question uh, that Diana asked, you know, lately there's been, you know, growth in, uh, in the tech field throughout the world, actually. And just as you uh, you actually said it, you know, there's a way if you don't consent to some of these uh, these condition terms and conditions that they give, 
you don't get to have you know access to to whatever you know to, to, to whatever platform or whatever service they get to offer you so does uh, does the collection and sharing of this data by these uh, this company affect you know our understanding of our personal privacy do have a right to offer you the services based on your agreement to their terms um, and and this is even in the physical because in the physical when you walk into for example um, a restaurant they say we reserve the right of admission that is basically consent so by you walking in there you know they have the right to kick you out and that's okay you know because they reserve that so so that 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 that, that um, um, also happens in the in the um, analog world as it were so but if if you're going to consume a service and this is becoming more and more prevalent just be ready to give up your degree of privacy um, there are many services that you can consume with without providing too much detail because maybe the area where they operate from has has regulation that requires them to only collect the information that they need to be able to give you the service for example when i logged into riverside um, they asked for my name they didn't ask for my date of birth because they don't need my date of birth to deliver the service you see um, or they didn't ask for you know uh, where i live and so on and so on so so, so there are those who who have tailored their collection of information to the degree that that they need to be able to deliver the service but that's dependent on two things it's dependent on the morality of the company and dependent on the regulation that that governs you know what, what they're doing now where there is no governance or where the, the enforcement is non-existent or very trivial <laughs> then then you can do what you want you see so so it's important that that the person be educated enough to know okay so do i really want to do this can I do without this service because the degree to which I'm giving up my privacy is is unacceptable? Um, and 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 yeah, then you make the decision at that point. Some of us left WhatsApp because because we didn't agree with the privacy policy that they had, um, and 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 that's okay. But just be prepared to not consume that service, um, and 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 you know uh, because you did not agree with 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 their their, their, their terms and conditions. That was our conversation with Geoffrey Okar from Afrotech Talk. This is the first part of our three-part series on privacy. Stay tuned for the second part. And just in case you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe, like, share, and follow on the different p- platforms. This podcast is hosted and directed by Andrew and Diane, edited and produced by Marifosasa Studios for Afrotech Talk.